From the United Nations in Bonn, I am Leonie Beck. And I'm Monja Sauvager. And we are the hosts of Inside UN Bonn, your podcast about the people and stories behind the United Nations in Bonn. In 2007, African nations started an ambitious project called the Great Green Wall. Led by the African Union, its aim is to plant trees across the entire Sahel region and thereby hold back the expansion of the Sahara Desert. The project, which is now being implemented in more than 20 countries across Africa, is a symbol of hope in the face of one of the biggest challenges of our time, desertification. Once completed, the Great Green Wall will be the largest living structure on the planet, three times the size of the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Green Wall is also the subject of a documentary that was produced in association with the UN Convention to Combat Desertification, or simply UNCCD. It is the third largest UN Bonn entity and headquartered here in Bonn. UNCCD is an international agreement on good land stewardship. Through partnerships, the convention's 197 parties set up robust systems to manage land degradation and drought promptly and effectively. The Malian musician Ina Maja is not only a UNCCD land ambassador, but is also featured in the documentary and takes us on an epic journey along Africa's Great Green Wall. With the support of other musicians from the Sahel region, she raises awareness of the project and the plight of those living in the Sahel region. The region is on the front line of the climate crisis and already heavily affected by drought and desertification. Inna, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Could you tell us when you first heard about the Great Green Wall project? I heard about the Great Green Wall project a few years ago when one of my friends told me about it, but it had just started, so... There was not a lot to be said about it except the idea and the vision that has changed throughout the years. So I thought to myself, ah, oh, this seems to be like something really monumental. If it can be achieved, that will be amazing. But then I hadn't heard about it until January 2017 when I was contacted by uh, UNCCD and Fernando Mereles to tell me about the project again and about an idea to make a documentary. And at the time I was touring in Asia and uh, I had this email and so I jumped on a call with them and after the first call that we had, I was already on board. That sounds great. What was it that fascinated you so much about this ambitious project? I think it's all the dimension of the project and all the issues tied to climate change that this project could resolve. And for me, it wasn't just about planting trees. Planting trees is really, really important, but it's about all the positive impact that it will have on communities and job opportunities and help with uh, food scarcity and also all the conflicts and forced migration. Everything, every issue that is strongly tied to climate change, this project could have a resolution for that. So that is why I really draw me into it. And also it is such a monumental project. It is so ambitious, but at the same time, uh, mankind have achieved more than that. We send satellites, you know, uh, in the universe and we've been doing such amazing things with science that to me, this is a achievable dream. And I knew right away that with joining forces and, you know, advocating for this and having all the leadership and all the global community behind it, that as a society, we would be able to achieve it. 
And can you tell us a bit more of how you collaborated with UNCCD on this documentary? So I first uh, worked tightly with Alexander Azen, who uh, was at the communication at UNCCD and who's also part of the executive producing team of the film. And so with the rest of the team of UNCCD, they told me more about the project and what was happening and how it was evolving and the direction. And I went to Senegal a few times to meet with communities along the Great Green Wall and We, we created all this story because the storytelling is really important. We wanted to tell about the Great Green Wall, but we, in the beginning, we didn't know how. And so with the weekly meetings on Zoom, it was uh, the way that we found to, to create the story for the film. It was really interesting because the more we were working on the film, the more I knew about the Great Green Wall and I was invested in it and really involved in it. It's um projects that I'm really passionate about and it's been almost five years now and my passion has even grown stronger and I think from now to 2030 we will be achieving amazing things with the Great Green Wall. In the documentary we see you traveling along the Great Green Wall meeting people, initiatives and projects. How did the idea for the documentary come about with you being the storyteller of the documentary? Well, in the beginning, Fernando Mireles and the production company and Alexander Azen had the idea to reach out to uh, an artist. But when I came on board, I was on board, I was the artist, but we didn't know exactly how we would tell the stories of the amazing communities that live along the Great Grimoire. So we just brainstormed as a team every week for <laughs> over a year. And then the director came in And we continued to brainstorm and then we started shooting the film. It took a long time, but it was really important to tell the stories in a right way, really to show the resilience of the people in these communities who are really fighting and who are really change makers and grassroots activists. So, yeah, it's a teamwork. And you're a land ambassador for UNCCD. What does this entail? Well, as a land ambassador, what I try to do is really to bring awareness to what is happening. My focus is the Great Green Wall, but the rest of the Sahel I'm really passionate about too, is to bring awareness to what the Great Green Wall is and uh, how we're going to make it happen and also help uh, bring more and more people to join the movement because we want the Great Green Wall to become a movement, a global movement, because in the end, when we will have this uh, amazing forest from Senegal to Djibouti, it will benefit the whole world. We are basically creating a new lungs for the planet. So I'm so passionate about it that it is in everything that I do. It is in my music because I've been uh, creating music for the film. And then on the rest of my work as an artist and uh, yeah, the Greek Grimoire is present everywhere. So it's More than bringing awareness, it's really supporting the project, support the communities, speak about what I am doing and what the communities are doing at high levels events. But also an ambassador for me is really defending the project and sharing it with the whole world. And that is something that I've been lucky enough to be doing uh, for the past five years. Yeah, you just already mentioned that drought and migration also come up in your music, for example, in your song Water. How do you think music can affect change? I think music is a powerful medium to touch people's heart. I think the messages through music are felt in another way, because as musicians, we're not elected 
we don't gain anything about that just sharing the strong beliefs that we have i think that people receive the messages in another way as if we were elected leaders you know it has been done for forever i mean my biggest icons as like Miriam Makeba who was fighting against apartheid or Bob Marley or other amazing artists have shared through their music very powerful messages and so when i started being a musician for me it was really important to be able to share what i really believe in with the world because i'm inspired by this type of artist don't get me wrong i also love artists who make me just want to dance and you know <laughs> and just have fun but the type of artist that i am through my music i share the messages and actually i recorded and released water before i was working on the great renewal but it is part of my activism because i've been working around climate issues and women and girls rights issues for the past 15 years in the documentary we see you traveling along the great green wall what was it like to travel more than 8000 kilometers by bus from senegal all the way to ethiopia it's a journey it really is a journey it's a meeting with people taking their stories in and trying to share it with my platform with the world and keep it as uh, true as possible as close as possible as they told it to me and really it's beautiful stories but also heartbreaking stories stories of hope but also stories of despair and how far human beings can go when they believe that they have no other way to do things it was very very emotional i said it before i'm a woman from the sahel i was born and raised in mali and i I lived eight years in Ghana and I've been traveling forever all around Africa so I really love my continent and hearing these stories you want to help everybody you want to do something you cannot sleep at night because you want this project to have an impact a positive impact on their lives you you create and you share and you do as much as you can it's a journey that has started when I started traveling all along the great green wall but it's a journey that is still ongoing for me because I still carry a lot of this stories on my shoulder because you cannot hear the stories and just turn your head on another side and forget about it so doing the film was the beginning of something for me and um I really want to make a change I won't sit down until I believe that something has been truly achieved and that the communities that I've met and others that I didn't get the chance to meet will live a different life A lot has happened since you went on this journey When you filmed the documentary about 15% of the Great Green Wall had been completed. Yes. How has the project developed since then? When I was talking to people that I met about the Great Green Wall, a lot of people didn't know about it or had never heard about it. But now when I talk about it, on two people, one person have heard about it or have read about it somewhere. That's a big achievement because that is something that we wanted to do. and that to start a movement you want people to know about it it's amazing because with the leadership in place they have been able to raise uh, a lot of funds to make this great green wall happen also to have a lot of countries joining and a lot of people just joining to make this a success for all of us so i think the work that we're all doing even if My contribution was just a film and just advocacy. I'm very happy because uh, we are going in the right direction. 
I know that a lot of people who used to tell me, yes, but this is, this is just a utopia. Some have changed their mind. That's a positive thing. More and more people will, will get to join and will believe in this because I truly believe in this. Thomas Sankara in the 80s believed in this. So I think uh, we're going somewhere. As you just said, people are more and more aware of the project. You live part-time in Europe and part-time in Africa. How has the documentary contributed to people's awareness of the Great Queen Wall, both here and there? Well, the documentary has been, uh, you know, has been released during the pandemic. So uh, some people have been able to see it on TV. Some people have been able to see it in the beginning, uh, for example, in France and Germany and in Austria in cinemas when it was released. And uh, in Africa, I know that recently it was uh, on a TV channel all across Africa. So more and more people are able to see it and we're working hard for even more people to get to see it. I know about an amazing uh, Gambian activist who goes with a solar panel on his bus and go and screen the film in uh, little villages in Gambia and uh, also cities in Gambia. All around Gambia, he's going with his with his uh, minibus and uh, screening the film. So this is what we want to do. We want to show people that the world is interested in their faith and that we are all willing to do something to make a change and that we believe in them, that their resilience hasn't been uh, gone unnoticed, that we really believe that they can make a change. The people who are changing the face of the planet is uh, the grassroots and the frontline activists that are doing a fantastic job. This past uh, two years with the pandemic, things hasn't gone the way that we wanted, but still we, we are able through social media also to make an impact. And, and that is uh, part of the plan that we had. And you already mentioned that during your journey along the Great Green Wall, you met several people who had experienced several hardships. In the documentary, you also mentioned that climate change impacts the Sahel region in several ways and that climate crisis has led to conflicts, terrorism and migration. Can you explain how are these issues connected? Well, you know, in rural communities, almost 80 percent of the people rely on some form or another of agriculture. And in the Sahel, a lot of people are not able to practice that agriculture, to make a living. So millions of people will be forced to migrate by 2050. When you are in a region where there is food scarcity and people are vulnerable because they cannot make a living, well, you have armed groups like in the basin of Lake Chad. When you see the Lake Chad that in 50 years has shrinking 90% and the Lake Chad basin is with the four countries around. You have Niger, Nigeria, Cameroon and Chad. And when you look closely around the basin of Lake Chad, you have the Boko Haram armed group. And you see that uh, in a lot of places in the Sahel, the most vulnerable people have armed groups that have been terrorizing them for the past decades. And you see that there is a strong connection between that and migration also. People flee. They are climate refugees. They try to leave where they are, and because the biggest cities in their countries are also overpopulated and that they won't certainly find an opportunity there, they believe that going through the desert and uh, the Sahara and going to Libya or other countries to try to reach Europe, that used to be the African dream. For a long time, the African dream was outside of the continent. If you want to make it, you have to go outside of the continent. 
it's something that we want to bring the African dream on the continent. We want to make them believe that there is something because there is power in dreams and we want to give them the opportunities to believe in those dreams that they can achieve it. And so when you see the migration, nobody wants to leave their homes. Nobody wants to go thousands of kilometers away from where they live, not knowing if they are ever going to make it alive out of the desert. If the human trafficking that is happening, uh, taking promising to people that they will take them to Europe, if they are not going to kill them in the desert, if they are not going to abandon them, which is the same thing as killing them because they not a lot of them survive in the desert without food, without water, etc. And when they arrive in Libya, we have seen on the news how people have been kept captive. This is a new era slavery that has been in place. And I've been to camps in uh, Niger, in the north of Niger. I spoke with young people who fled Libya. They, they, were, they were slaves because they couldn't leave and they were forced to work and they were not treated in good human conditions. Nobody wants to go through that and uh, nobody wants to get on a ship or a boat and uh, not being sure that they are ever going to make it on the other side of the sea just to earn a decent living. So when in Europe we see people coming, these climate refugees coming, and people call them migrants, I'm offended. They are climate refugees because the lives that we are having are having such a negative impact on climate, and they are living at the front line of climate change. And so when they see migrants, they don't say their stories. Their stories need to be told. And that's one of the reasons that in the film we wanted to show the connection with climate change and forced migration. Because a lot of people believe that, oh, they're just here to earn money. It's not to buy a new car or to buy new clothes. It's to survive, is to help their family survive. And what is really important to me, not just as an African woman, but as a human being, is that we want people in Africa to stop surviving. We want them to thrive. We want people who are living on the front line of climate change in any continent to stop surviving and to really thrive like anybody deserves to. When we were brainstorming about the film, it was so important to me to show these connections because... A lot of people, when you talk to them, they don't realize. We see the terrorist groups like Boko Haram or Al-Qaeda uh, in the Maghreb, and I come from Mali, so I know about it. But a lot of people just think that it's just about religion. Climate is a strong, strong factor for this also. It's education, you know. For a long time, even big leaders from uh, big developed countries have denied climate change. So it's an education going on to you know, to share what we know about climate change with people and how we can all make a positive impact or negative impact and how we can try to do a contribution. And how does the Great Green Wall Project help solve these problems? Well, you know, it helps with food security. It helps with providing jobs, opportunities to young people and also education, because if people do not migrate, the kids are able to go to school, not just a year or two, but really to go to school and get educated. Do you know how many kilometers every day women and kids have to walk to go and get water? And these are the kids who are supposed to be in school. If they have clean water access, if they have electricity, uh, this is something that they can concentrate on education less than going and get water. 
half of the Sahel who's less than 25 years old. And uh, if we don't bring them job opportunities, this is a double-edged sword. We can really harness the power of the youth and, you know, create something that can transform the continent or we can just drive into a wall. And the Great Wall, like I said in the beginning, it's not just about planting trees. It's really about all of these different steps, creating also an economical side, because what is being planted all along the Great Wall is it's not just plant trees to plant trees. It's also with a purpose. It's trees that have fruits that can make the region a sustainable economical partner for the rest of the world. Cosmetic industry use a lot of shea butter in their products. It's, you know, all the baobab, all the uh, organic foods that are coming from the Sahel. Even to make sodas, you need uh, acacias to be able to do the Arabic gum. All of this will be a factor to make the region a strong economical partner with what is being planted. And women play a crucial role in leading the Great Green Wall project on the ground. Can you tell us a bit more about their role? Yes, you know, in a lot of communities that I've been, women are the leaders in these projects. They are the ones going to plant. They are the ones taking care of the trees and the gardens. Studies show that when women are really leading on the climate, the projects are well achieved and are well taken care of. And what is really important is that with giving them economical independence, they can really be a strong foundation for the community. Something that I've been advocating a lot because I believe that it's not just about giving them equalities because they are the most vulnerable. But when you go to areas where climate change has such a strong, strong, strong impact on communities, women and girls are, you know, we have to give them the chance to come up in the most empowering way because not just about them being like victims of abuse, but with them being strong and very good leaders in this. And how has COVID-19 affected their work? I know that we have been set back for years, for decades even, because a lot of money that was pledged to be given to different projects, everything was focused on COVID. And also because COVID has had a, such a, a strong toll on people and communities all around the world. And to protect yourself, to heal, you know, it was very difficult. COVID has set the whole world back for, I don't know how long it, it's going to take for us to recover from that, but the most vulnerable are the most impacted also because they don't have the means to get back on their feet. And that's one of the reasons why it's really important that the vaccine equality happens all around the world. And apart from COVID-19, the documentary is also a story of hope and agency. How is the Great Green Wall project different from other development projects in Africa? Well, the Great Green Wall project is, first of all, the biggest ecological project right now. And it impacts millions of people. And it's 8,000 kilometers from Senegal to Djibouti. It's, it's across countries. It's Pan-African. Because of all these factors and the region where it is, it's one of the most important projects right now because it will be able to give this region the strengths that it needs to overcome not just poverty and the effects of climate change, but to overcome the conflicts that has been happening in the region. And also something that is really important is that it is going to benefit the whole world in the end. 
the Great Broomwell project is not just for the Sahel region or just for the African continent. It's going to benefit the whole world. When we saw that the Amazon and uh, all the, the wildfires in Australia, the whole world realized that this is something that concerns us all. And so doing something positive like planting a whole tree, millions of hectares of trees, it is something that is going to be benefited globally. Uh, recently, you attended the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, where the documentary was also screened. What is your message to world leaders about the climate crisis? My message to world leaders is that we can still do better. We can still go harder for climate. I know that there has been this uh, code read by UN, but we need to act on what we promised. We need the leadership to show us the way and to really deliver in the promises. We cannot just talk. I've seen some of the leaders really deliver in the promises, but there is too much talk and not enough action. And uh, it has to go faster because the planet is not waiting for us to take decisions. So this is also our role as a society to push the leadership and to also do our part. We are in a race, and in this race, we're not going to win if we just wait. Talking of Code Red, you actually just founded Code Green. You're a busy woman. Can you tell us a bit more about yes. Code Green? So Code Green is a nonprofit that we created uh, on the blockchain. The idea is really through NFTs to uh, raise funds for organizations that don't have access to funds, grassroots and uh, women-driven projects, and uh, also to help the NFT community that is on the blockchain to become sustainable. It's a community that is really united, that are really connected to one another and are doing amazing, amazing things. But we have to be careful because all blockchains are not sustainable and we have to find a responsible way to do it. I mean, the crypto art community, I'm part of it. And I want it to be as sustainable as possible and be leaders in uh, helping heal the planet and helping to combat climate change. And I think that we can do it. For people who don't know about NFTs, they believe that it's just JPEGs and little videos. And it's just it's so much more than that. It's uh fascinating communities where you have a lot of freedom, where people dream big and boldly. And we want to follow them because it's something that is very new to start implementing the right ways of doing things from the get go, because we don't want to add to the burden of the planet. We want to help be a solution. So as someone who's part of the NFT community, And I know that we have the strength to be leaders in this and to make a real impact and make a real change. So we are going to help them find real ways to, to make it sustainable. It's been a year that we've been working on it. In the next six months, we are really going to make a huge impact. And I can see it coming. And uh, a lot of people in the community are excited about it. A lot of people don't want to talk about sustainability, but that is fine because in the real world also it has been like that. But uh, it's a community that has been the fingers pointed at them saying, yes, but NFTs are polluting. The whole world is polluting. And it took how many decades to find solutions? So Asking the NFT communities to find solution right away from the get-go, it's something that is really hypocrite. But I think that these are good people who just want to make art and share it with the world and make a living and dream big. 
And so I think we shouldn't be seen as the villains because we are not. And we are going to dust ourselves and show the way to other industries. We're going to be real solar punks and <laughs> do things differently. Last week, I worked with an NFT project and uh, with a woman-driven uh, organization that helps women who are abused and also children who are victims of uh, abuse or incest. And we raised money and it was so fast. At the end of the day, the money with the art that was being sold was already in the wallet of the organization. The next day, they could take the money out. So it doesn't take forever for the fundings to reach them. And with the money that they raise, we know exactly what they are going to do. They're going to impact positively on a human being's life. If we are going to support on a long run climate solutions and have them the fundings right away to make it happen, it is going to help with, uh, you know, this God red thing. Okay, well, that sounds like a very interesting project. Inna, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The Great Green Wall Project is supported by various UN organizations, including the UN Environment Programme, the World Bank, and of course, the UN Convention to Combat Desertification. If you would like to learn more about UNCCD, please visit their website, uncd.int. Thank you for listening to Inside UN Bonn. The music is by Tim Moore and the design and visualizations of the podcast were done by me, Monja Sovagea. Thank you to the German Ministry of Foreign Affairs for their generous financial support in making this podcast happen. We will be back soon with more human stories from the people behind UN Bonn. To find out more about UN Bonn's 25th anniversary and the stories behind UN Bonn, please visit www.unbonn.org. On Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, we are at UN Bonn. Please take the time to review us because it does make a difference. Until next time.